the rest of that year, I just had so much confidence and I was, I was happy to play and it was just good. Like, you know, you play the best when you're smiling. And so, yeah. um, that was the first year I made all Americans and I ended up making all Americans in 15s and sevens, but Hello and welcome to the Pro Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish international age grade player and each week I chat with a player, a coach or a person involved at the top end of the game to hear about their story, get their insights and find out what life is like in professional rugby. On Instagram I'm the Offfield Rugby Coach, that's at Offfield Rugby. Please follow me there and let me know any thoughts or feedback you have for the pod. Please subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And also, please share the pod with some friends. Those simple actions have a big impact and are really, really appreciated. On today's pod, I chat with LA Giltini scrum half Christian Rodriguez. Roddy is from a small city called Hawaiian Gardens in the greater LA area. And he got into rugby through a program called Alternatives to Gang Membership, which is exactly what it says in the tin a program that helps keep kids focused on sports and out of the local gangs. We chat about that. Roddy explains how gangs recruit young kids, often pre-teens, and how unfortunately some of his friends growing up went down the wrong path. Roddy now runs that program voluntarily while playing pro rugby with the Guillotinis. We chat about how in his final year of high school he was ready to give up sports, but a chance meeting with Lindawood University coaches led to a scholarship to play collegiate rugby. And when there, he kicked on to become a collegiate All-American 7s player, All-American 15s player, play with the USA U20 side, and also be named the best college 7s player in the country in his final year of Lindenwood. Roddy talks about how he negotiated his contract with the Guillotinis. It involves signing for another MLR club, to then being brought to Maui in Hawaii with the Guillotinis and signing for them while there. We also chat about the LA Giltini's five-day celebrations after winning the Major League Rugby Shield last month, the incredible headquarters they have, and what a match day playing in the LA Coliseum is like. In the first few minutes, there's a bit of background noise from time to time. This is just that Roddy was sitting on a squeaky chair, but this stops after the first bit of the pod. So here's episode number five of the Pro Rugby Pod with Christian Rodriguez. Hey, I'm here with Christian Rodriguez from the LA Giltinis, current Major League Rugby champion and also previously named the best sevens player in U.S. collegiate rugby. Roddy, how are you keeping? All right, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. How are the celebrations with the Giltinis? <laughs> oh, every time somebody asks me, I say I'm still recovering. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. They're like... Oh. It was pretty. It's pretty amazing to go to Vegas like that. I usually don't even like Vegas, but uh, honestly, can't really complain about the trip. Yeah. What What your boys get up to? So you won it in. It was in L.A. in your home stadium. Yeah. So we we won. Yeah, we won in the Coliseum. Um. Obviously, celebrated that night. Had a had a, had a few things going on in around L.A. Um. And we stayed down like towards the beaches, kind of like a. In El Segundo area, Manhattan Beach, we kind of celebrated around that area. Um, and then just the whole night, rumors were that, you know, I'll be ready to go to Vegas tomorrow. Uh, oh, yeah. Funny part was that, oh, yeah, get ready to fly to Vegas tomorrow. And then turns into, oh, meet up at HQ in the morning. We all met up at HQ. Um, 
we're waiting there for a few hours and then a bus comes and we were all in the dark at that time but yeah, i'm sure you can imagine we're all just sitting around doing our thing and then a bus comes so we get on a bus to vegas but honestly that was the only bad part about the whole trip we just ended up being in vegas for two whole two whole nights and uh celebrated the whole time and then we did our we did our mad monday there as well so um yeah it was pretty pretty crazy and then to top it off we got like a one day rest when we came back that wednesday we took a we took a obviously we drove back on the bus and then yeah. um and then you know did our thing at home took took a break from each other and then we did it again on thursday we had our banquet our little ball and so it was just another night nice one nice one so it was a four, four or five day stretch yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's Some good. of the dudes didn't take a break on that Wednesday, I'll say that though. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of sleeping. Not really. No. And how was um how's your first season with LA? It was good. Like it's it's hard like to to have your first season be so successful and be in such a good team and um like, you know, you you kind of want to have some obviously there was a lot a lot of bad things that that happened you know personally and with the team because there's never just a perfect season but it was mm-hmm. such a good environment to be in for your first year that it was really hard to kind of like um reflect but yeah yeah you know obviously um i've been able to do my reflecting and it's just such a good year it was so fun for sure it looked it from the outside looking in and um with all those all those guys from abroad and must be pretty cool local guy playing with superstars from all over the world yeah yeah uh, yeah exactly and what were some of the things you said personally that were difficult um i mean obviously when you're on a rugby team you just want to play more um yeah it was never something i i, I would complain about obviously because i'm a team team guy first i would like to say um but it's just like anybody who, who plays a sport wants to play more um but that that's what I'm talking about. Such a good environment. Like that's the one thing I have to complain about. I can't really complain about much because um, I know I'm on a really good team. So, yeah. um, but like my progression every day is just, uh, I can see it in myself and I've never been able to really see, see that within myself as a player. Like obviously on that people on the outside can see that you're getting better as a player, but like, can you really see yourself getting better? And I, I think in this environment, I, I actually could see myself getting better, especially in my first year. Mm. So it's tough being that role guy, but obviously it's better being in one of the best teams in the league. And it's kind of, you got to weigh that up. You could be in a, a weaker side playing week in, week out, but you're getting to play with some of the best players in the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll see how, how it goes this year, but I mean, I could have been in a way different situation as of last year. You know, I could have, I was drafted to Dallas and um, I mean, not drafted, sorry. I was picked up by Dallas and uh, you know, they kind of fell through. So I was able to come home, but that could have yeah. been a way different situation. And I don't know what I would have been feeling like right now. Yeah. So talk to me about that. How did that, how was that? So you were playing rugby with Belmont Shore. Was that it? Local club rugby in LA? Yeah. Well, after Linwood, I came back and I, I mean, that's the funny part is I kind of was just like after Linwood. Even when I was in Linwood, no matter how well we were doing or whatever it was, I was like always gonna come back home and just decide to work, and I was gonna play rugby on the side because I thought it was gonna be you know something that I would enjoy, um, just play some club rugby and work at the same time. Well, work and then play some rugby at the same time, and then so I was, and then um, I was playing Belmont Shore, and we we had like I think we had two games in our fifteen season, 
And then there was one sevens tournament that kind of just popped up out of nowhere, which was the LAI, the Los Angeles Invitation, which is basically what the Vegas tournament used to be for sevens. Um, And so Belmont Shore put a team in there, so I just played in that. And then, like, didn't even realize it, but that was the last time we all were able to play because that's when the pandemic kind of hit and, um, you know, we had to shut everything down and we were pretty, we were pretty good about sh- shutting things down. So here at home, we kind of just stayed in and I did my runs or whatever around the street, but um, we're pretty locked in. And so it kind of like made me realize, yeah, I had the itch and I actually did want to play. Like I, I did want to see how I could, how I can go forward with this. And so I just, I just kind of got in contact with a few people and w- with LA at the time, actually um, not a lot of people know this, but I, I was actually talking to LA first. Um, because obviously I wanted to be home and they knew I wanted to be home. But, yeah. um, and this is something that they give me credit for, but it's not a bad thing on them. But we, we were talking for a while and, and, um, they kind of told me, you know, we're going to hold off on giving you a contract now because they wanted me to be, you know, one of the local guys who could just come in and practice. And so, yeah, obviously for me, I was like, well, I can't do that because if, if you guys don't sign me, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be able to sign anywhere else. It's getting yeah. too late. So then uh, at that point, um, I mean, they're good guys. It's, it's a business. So I wasn't really like, you know, hurt by it, but I was just like, you can't really, I can't really go on that road. So I hit up a few teams and then it it honestly was like within a week I had a contract for, for Dallas and I took that back to LA and they, they told me, you know, uh, we still, we still don't have anything for you. And I I really don't think they thought that I was going to leave. So I was like, fine, I gave you, I gave you a chance and, um, I got to look out for myself. So then I, I ended up signing with Dallas and I was, I was extremely happy with signing with Dallas. It was a good setup and I was, I was happy with it. Like I had no regrets about it. Um, yeah. And then unfortunately, like it was, I was getting ready to leave. I, I had signed and well, actually to go back, I told, I told LA and then um, the coach who was um, the head, head coach was like, okay. Oh, two days later, he told me he had a contract for me and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't yeah, know what you want me to yeah, I don't know what you want me to do. I I have to I have signed a contract already, and so, um, that was that. And so I was I was happy with it, and I was going to Dallas. I was I was actually two days away from, um, going to Dallas. I was gonna get rid. I was gonna drive over there actually, and yeah. so um yeah, I was gonna drive over there, and so I was ready. I was like you know kind of getting all my stuff ready to leave and. It was weird because during that week, everybody was like, are you going to pack? Like, what's going on? And I was like, you know, it's weird. I haven't really talked to them that much. Like, I, I did sign a lease for an apartment over there. Um, but, like, I besides that, I didn't really get a lot of communication from them. And so yeah. I was kind of holding off to, to pack. Um, and then, because I figured I would buy a lot of stuff over there. But then yeah. it was that two days before I was at the store and I kind of, like, didn't wasn't checking my phone. And um, I checked my phone and I got back from the store. And uh, I look and I have a text message and it was like, hey, is this like, it was in a group chat. She was like, is this serious? And it was a screenshot of what Dallas had posted um, on their Instagram, which is basically saying that they were, they were not, they were not, um, they're they're out of the, yeah, they're folding basically. And so, and so that's how I found out was somebody screenshot the the Instagram post and I, I read it and then I called them obviously and. They're like, hey, sorry, we, you know, we just found out today. Apparently, a lot of them didn't find out till that day, but uh, yeah, who knows? And so, uh, whatever, you know, it it was fine. And then um, 
luckily enough for me, I was able to sign with LA. And this, this is like, you know, right before they had their preseason in Maui. So I actually was able to go to Maui and I didn't even sign my contract till two days in Maui. I was like two days in Maui and then I was, um, nice. I signed it. So it was a pretty good story. Pretty good. Like That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you could maybe be an agent when you finish up with that. Uh, the way the way you played that, <laughs> yeah, it's it a trip. Yeah, that's cool. And what does it mean to you to play for LA? It's I, I mean, guy. yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. I love it. It's a like I always wanted to be. Like I'm pretty, pretty like like to think I'm a pretty loyal guy. So wherever I go, I'm pretty loyal to that spot. And yeah. obviously, where I grew up, I'm always gonna have loyalty to it. So. Um, you know, most people don't really get the chance to play at home, and if they do, it's towards the end of their career. So um, I'm just blessed to be able to come back and always, you know, have ties to LA and um, to be able to play there. I've had a few few games this year where I started. It was just like it was unbelievable, especially to hear the crowd just kind of like cheer you on and um, like you know shout your name. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And talk to me about the match day in LA so you play in the Coliseum quite a lot and then sometimes in the other is it the Rand Stadium but they see like Steve Aoki playing on match day and the match day looks to be incredible there yeah it's it's crazy so like we played at the SoFi Stadium once but that was only because um luckily for us USC had their graduation on the Coliseum so we couldn't obviously take take their their field for that um so they we were, I guess they were trying to figure out where to play in SoFi, which is hmm. okay. I think it's the most expensive stadium in the world, or something like that. Oh yeah, it was happened to be open, so luckily our owner was able to book that for us. And um, yeah, so like a, a match day though is it's just it's it's kind of like surreal. It's you don't really you know I mean obviously for me it's my first year in professional rugby, so um, I'm kind of just new to it, but. You know, you go to it's it's really good vibes with the Guiltinis. Like you go to you go to HQ. They give you a kind of like a timetable when to do things, and obviously everybody just meets up at HQ first. And there's there's they put on like some food for us, and families are usually just there hanging out, and because um, there's a bus for families as well that'll take them to the field. But you know, families are, are there. All, all the wives and partners are there, and all the kids are running around. Um, there's some pretty good great kids in you know on the team as well so you know all the kids are running around all the coaches are there and um some people just finished the workout who you know who aren't playing and so yeah it's just it's just good vibes to walk in and then you go get your food you do whatever you want obviously um and then you get on the bus and when you get on the bus then people kind of start to put their headphones in and um wind down and it's probably like a 20 20 minute drive just depending on, on traffic 20 yeah. 25 minute drive to coliseum then when we get to the coliseum you kind of go down this little little driveway and it takes you right there's like this big tunnel that leads you right to the field um yeah but then our, our locker rooms are just right r- like right before that it's probably like a one minute walk from the tunnel to the locker rooms and then hmm. um yeah we go into this big locker room where the, the lock it's the biggest locker room i've seen and you just go and you look around and there's all these like usc football legends just like on on yeah. top of the thing and then the guiltinis have obviously put 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 some uh put some pictures of us and stuff on the on the, the the walls but um yeah it's just great and then and then you know we have a short warm-up which i love um it's yeah. not a, it's not a crazy long warm-up you do whatever you need to do beforehand but actual team warm-up is no longer than you know 35 40 minutes um 
And so when you go out there, though, you just go out, do your warm-up. But sometimes, like for me, I was on the bench a lot of those games at home. And and you just look over, and I see Mario Lopez standing there or Craig Robinson, the guy who played – um, Daryl from from the office was just you yeah, know just yeah. walking around and you just get you, there was like so many people uh, you know um, Dan Henderson you know the old UFC fighter yeah UFC it, yeah yeah just walking there Steve O just they just all just kind of like you're just standing there just chilling and a lot of them are new to rugby so they're kind of just like in awe but they get to light the torch which everybody everybody knows in LA so um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. You kind of have to like keep your cool and realize that you're playing a game, or you know, you have to yeah, be ready for yeah, a game. Yeah. But at the same time, you're you're also thinking like, oh wow, that's that's Stevo, that's Dan Henderson. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> that's incredible. And what's HQ? Uh, it's just our headquarters. Um, it's it's well, at first it was it's pretty cool about the HQ though. It's at first we were we were kind of scrambling around because they didn't have it set up mm-hmm. and um. I think now it's kind of like a warehouse, like kind of like a old warehouse. It was actually an, an old F45. Oh, yeah. um, so it was an old F45 gym, but it's pretty nice. So you walk in and you got your gym right there in the middle, you know, just a big, yeah. nice open gym. Um, um, connected to that is our is our locker room. And we have our, you know, athletic trainers um, offices right there. There's probably two two offices for them to work on us. And then, you got our bathrooms and showers and stuff like that that are connected to like kind of like our team room and our locker room. Um, so you can just walk around and hang out. Um, a couple TVs just inside. There's mm-hmm. actually there's like a, like thirty TVs just kind of plastered around. So when you go in and we're working out, there's just like that week's game is on the on the TVs Play. while you're there. Yeah, and then um, there's also all the coaches' offices upstairs. Um, we got all the coaches' offices upstairs yeah. and um. And then our our team like uh, meeting room, so we, where we have all our meetings are right just right right next to the gym, so you could you know when we have our team meeting in the morning, yeah we have our team meeting in the morning and then our backs our our usually our forwards go first we'll split um our forwards will go and then we also have like a basketball court on the side as well and um it's pretty nice the cool thing is that Gilly who's our owner has has a couple companies who like oh, yeah. invested in there so he's got his he's got his obviously his gillies his beer uh his alcohol um company and then he's got his his um his coffee company as well so a lot of the time we'll have a, co- a coffee truck out front that's just waiting for us if we want to get a coffee people just come in the morning it's it's free so we just get a, a nice coffee in the morning walk into your meeting it's pretty nice and then um so there's a whole another side of that HQ where he's have his his other his other workers working on the other side. So it's pretty cool. And there's just like a like a divide. Yeah, a divider. It, well, it's, it's 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 actually a like a garage door, but it's clear. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like a clear garage door that just kind of opens and closes when they want. During like game days, it'll be open, but most of the day it's it's closed. So it's pretty cool though. That's sick. And what's the owner like? That guy Gilly. <laughs> I mean. He's usually in Australia. He's only been, he came around this year um for for a bit. He came around um for a couple weeks. But um yeah, I mean, he's a cool guy. I just I haven't really had a ton of conversations yeah. with him. But he is a cool guy when I have talked to him and you know, when he's talking about um you know, certain like, you know, like the future and what we're yeah, we're sitting plans. there talking to him. Yeah, his plans. He's got a really good, you know, high hopes for the team and in the city. And when we're even talking to um, 
you know, him before one of the games, somebody had mentioned somebody, you know, just talking and said something about the final. And he's like, well, you know, let's get through this game first, which was we were playing, we were playing Utah that day. So he was just really like, you know, passionate and, and intense. So as, as most, you know, wealthy people are pretty yeah, intense. Yeah. That's cool though. He's doing, he's walking the talk anyway. He's doing big things. He he really is. Yeah, he, he really is. He's done a good job though. Yeah. And what do you get up to in the off season? Since like say since the final, what do you what are you getting up to? Um, for me, it's a little different. I was because I want to play some more rugby. You know, so yeah. I wanted to play a little more rugby. So I had I had a chance to go play in the rugby town sevens. So I was doing a little bit of training for that. Cause I wasn't um, necessarily in seventh shape. So yeah. um, I was in shape though. So I did a little bit of running. You know, to kind of get fit for um for the seventh tournament and, and so i played in that seventh tournament which is amazing it's, it's like one of my favorite tournaments to go to so um did that then took probably like a week off when i got back and as of yesterday we kind of did a little workout uh, i went to hq and did a workout with a few of the guys who are still here so there's probably like eight of us there who just kind of mm. did a little workout um nice. but yeah for the most for the most part it's kind of just downtime you know some people will work I'll probably work a little bit and then yeah. um and then some some people are just kind of just relax and you know take the actual needed time off because <laughs> it was yeah. a hard season yeah and so rugby town sevens that's in denver colorado isn't it and it's like an invitational yeah. tournament and you would have played there with the usa collegiate sevens team back in the day yeah yeah so like before the pandemic was my last year um it's pretty much they kind of rebranded it's to be called the U23, the USA under 23s. Um so I played for that pretty much for 3 years. Yeah. Um in that in that tournament, which is great. Um we, the best we've done is third place and uh but it's a it's a hard tournament. Like it's we were very not lucky. We had a good team, but we were very like grateful to get third place in that tournament cuz I mm. think you know, one of the years we played um you know, I think my first year playing with that team we had played in our pool play we played the british and um the, the british army yeah. we played the british army which is a, a bunch of fijian dudes who, who played for that team and then um in the same pool we had the fiji Sav- Savu water team and which was like six of the olympians who just wanted like t- wow. the year before and they were there and just it's a good time even this year um my the team i played with which was the socal griffins we made the final this year and um nice in the final we played against uh, i mean it's pretty much the blitzbach team there was like four of the guys who were in the olympics this year so which is only a few weeks ago so yeah uh that's what i'm saying how high the level is at that tournament but it's great it's it's so good yeah denver is a cool spot around there around glendale and oh i love glendale glendale is one of my favorite cities i swear yeah i've been there a couple times it's unreal um, <laughs> And do you like which you prefer, sevens or fifteens? I think I people always ask, and I think it just depends on the team. Honestly, yeah, you can get on a you can get on a sevens team where it's just there's not really any good vibes, and it's, it's like people a lot of individuals running the ball, or you know, mm. don't really gel together. Um, when you're on a team, when you're on a sevens team where everybody knows their role and just kind of just know how to play with each other and and actually back each other, it's so fun. Um. I I do like 15s a lot though. It's just it's just two different like mentalities. So yeah. um it it really does depend on the like how I'm feeling, but 
pretty much what I'm invested in at the time. Like when I'm invested in a seven season, oh, I love it. And then mm. when I'm invested in a 15 season, like I just was, and obviously the team I was on, which is pretty, pretty nice and a real, real, real good vibes there. Um, I can't, I can't really say anything bad about it. Yeah, so I kind of play devil's advocate. No, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You just like a good, just like playing rugby in a good environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and what is your favorite strategy to play with sevens? So, like, I there's not a lot of sevens in Ireland, and the first kind of proper sevens I saw was in Lindenwood, and just started learning then, and like I just know fifteens really, but like, what would be, I suppose. I don't know, a basic strategy in sevens or what would be a game plan? Like if you're to go into the if you're to go into the SoCal team there and you're the leader, you're the captain, what would you implement? Well that's the thing is like we it, it really is so basic at, you know, if you're not playing on the series, you can have such a basic layout or like yeah. plan to play sevens. Like the team I played with the SoCal Griffins, that's basically what it was is we we met that Thursday night and the tournament was on Friday. So we didn't train at all together. Um bunch of guys who never played together, but we all kind of had the understanding, you know, when you play sevens, if you're going to if you want to keep it simple, it's just get it to one sideline, get it to the other side, just pass it, get get it through the hands and go sideline to sideline a few times. Mm-hmm. Usually by the third phase, it opens up so many gaps because nobody likes to play play defense on in sevens. It's hard. Yeah. And when you do actually play defense on sevens, like against a good defense, if they're coming up on you, sometimes they're going to, they're going to leave gaps just because they're not, they're not always going to be together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just give give somebody on the outside a one on one, especially when you have your prop go to the outside on the and then your wing go on the outside on the other side. You yeah. just get it through the hands. Um, you go sideline to sideline a few times. You it it's almost it's almost every time you're gonna get a line break or something's gonna happen. You're gonna get a penalty um, yeah. because that's just the game of sevens. Like we're we're not in the series, and you know, um, guys are not. <clears throat> In, in you know training full time for seven so even though we did play some guys who were on the series they're not on that team so yeah. it's still a select side so the, the training and the you know the rules are not going to be set in stone for their team so you just got to go sideline to sideline and um for me i i've always found that 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 pretty much works in in, in any team you, you you can get on that that can follow it you pretty yeah. much any team that i've been on that follows it has found found a way to win even though we haven't been the, the most athletic team. Yeah, even it seems that uh, that strategy seems to be like, even at the top, like USA seemed to have Danny Barrett on one wing and then Perry Baker or Carl Niles on the other. And it's like, you go over to Danny Barrett, he takes three players with him and then try and get it over to the quick guy. That's what I'm saying. And I, I even like when I do my, like my coaching with the, with the kids around here, I tell them like, it's good. Like you get it to one sideline and if their wing or whoever it is, is, is luckily in, enough to make the, the one-on-one tackle, that's great. But get it to the other sideline. When it comes back again, he's going to have to make another one-on-one tackle. And mm. even if it's a great tackler, nobody wants to keep making one-on-one tackles because it's hard. It's really a 50-50. So, so that's the thing is, like, you have to, you give, keep giving these people one-on-ones, and eventually the person on the inside of that defender is going to come help him out a little bit because he's getting roughed up a bit. Or he does it, and you end up taking him for, for a try the next time. Mm. So... It's so, it's so like, you kind of have to just, you know, mess with the defense a bit. And it's hard though. It's such, it's so hard to play defense in sevens. So much space. Yeah, exactly. Hard enough to play 
It's hard enough to play defense in 15s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you get a big guy who who, who plays, you know, flanker in a, in a 15s match who actually plays sevens, and you have to make a one-on-one tackle. You don't realize it, but in a 15s game, you're not really doing that as much. So, um, yeah, to yeah. have to do it, to have to do it every phase in the seven sevens match would be pretty hard. It's tough. Yeah. Talk to me about growing up in Hawaiian Gardens and how you got into rugby. Oh yeah, so um, well with the Hawaiian Garden stuff, I I I kind of grew up playing and with um you know all all the kind of normal American sports that people kind of grow up playing. So I was in I started off in soccer, which I hated. Um, <laughs> started off in soccer, and then I only did a a year of that, and then I did baseball, I did American football. Um, and then when I got into middle school, I did a little bit of like track. I just did, I really just did every sport I could, I can get my hands on just because that's the kind of kid I was. I, I liked, I liked playing and I liked just kind of be being athletic. I would say just being nasty and sweaty all the time and just running yeah. around. Um, but when I, when I was in the sixth grade, um, so it's just elementary school right before you go to middle school. Um, uh, I kind of like, I had a friend in and the elementary schools around here, there's three elementary schools in, in Hawaiian Gardens, but Hawaiian Gardens is only one square mile wide. So it's a very, it's the smallest city in LA and that's where okay. I grew up. Um, we didn't have a lot of communication with other elementaries, but the people who did kind of would introduce you. And we, we kind of had this thing in elementary where they brought the best like flag football players um, to play for, play for the city. So you had all your elementary schools yeah. and um, you get all, you know, then you get to represent the city and go play against other cities for flag football. They don't really do it anymore, but they used to do it, and it was pretty cool. And we got to meet a couple of kids from other elementary schools, and they ended up being my friends and still are my friends now. Um, but they went to other elementary school. One of the kids there that played with us kind of he had an older brother who's one of my good friends now, but he he was probably like two years older, and he was on the the rugby team. And so that kid who was in the sixth grade got to go play on the rugby team. Um, and that was the first time we heard about rugby. We were like, what is rugby? And so one time we were just meeting up for football and we seen a big bus full of dudes, like kind of like, <laughs> these are the rougher dudes in the city, you know, back then were the rougher dudes. Um, yeah. We're in this big bus, kind of like, just, you just hear this bus like pooing and hollering. And then yeah. this kid, this little small kid who was our age, kind of stuck his head out the window and was just like, hey, Christian, or, or like, you know, me and my friend Noel, he's just shouting at us. And we're like, what are you doing on there? And like, he was just like, oh, we're going to play rugby. And then um, that was the first time we heard about it. We're like, oh, we got to play that when we get into, to, you know, seventh grade. And yeah. so, um, but the cool thing about it is like, it, it's it's actually a program that's that's made up. It's called Alternatives to Gang Membership Program. And it's kind of what I do now, but Back then, none of us knew what it was. So when we got into middle school, we kind of heard about it. It's through the grapevine, and we all just jumped out and started playing. And and realistically, what it is now, looking back on it, was just the uh, the coach was just letting us play touch against each other all day, and then it would turn into tackle, and we would just he would just introduce the sport to us. It was really just a basic basic kind of like low lower level rugby program. But mm. his idea behind it was he runs a program to keep kids off the streets. Yeah, and uh, so he he would do everything. He he had his own program, and he would always do flag football for the middle school. He would do basketball, track, anything he could he could to keep kids busy. He would do it. And um, one of his programs happened to be rugby, and it's just it just ended up being that um, it was one of the his more successful programs. So he kind of 
stuck with it and noticed that kids liked it a little bit more. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into it, and I just just would awesome. play that. It was it was honestly like my fourth my fourth sport, um, yeah. kind of growing up. Because when I went to high school, it was I would do um, you know I would do football, I would do wrestling, and I would do track, and then I would do r- rugby on the side just because it was a club sport. It wasn't part of my high school, yeah. so um, then it ended up being my favorite sport, obviously. Yeah, that's cool. So for kids in where you grew up is like, are there a lot of gangs? And if kids kind of don't stay in sport and kind of keep busy, it could go that way. Yeah, it's it's it. There's one gang here, um, because it's such a small city that there's no real like uh, you know, rivals within the city. There's one. There's one gang here, the Hawaiian Gardens. Um, the Hawaiian Garden gang. Uh, you know. It would really be called, but um, yeah, there's there's one gang, and um, back then, yeah, kids pretty much would have you'd be walking home, and they kind of try to recruit you, or you know, if they didn't know you, they'd mess with you or whatever. But as you kind of get older, you kind of know how to speak and um, stay away. But some kids actually do get involved, and if you're not doing anything, like that's the idea. Yeah. If you're not if you're not doing anything after school, like you end school at two forty five, and you just we have this one street that just walks you basically to all the all the houses and. Uh, if you just walk down that street and you're not doing anything, you just decide, okay, let's go to the corner to get some some chips or something like that. You just walk into a few of them and they 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 show you you know some money or they show you something that you like and now you're hanging out with them every day and now you're part of that life. Uh, they ask you to do them one favor and now you're part of that life. You're messed up. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's a few and and I do have a lot of friends who I ended up going that route and kind of messed up a little bit, but um. I also have a lot of friends that the program helped who, who didn't get involved and um, chose the right path. So, but yeah, that that easily, especially back then. Not, more so now, there's not as much just because um, there was a huge raid, uh, like you know, twelve years back, um, the city, the cop, you know, the cops arrested a ton of ton of people from the city, um, and so. Um, there was a, there was a, a real yeah they cleaned it up a bit and then kids obviously wouldn't really choose that lifestyle it's it's a different age now so there's mm. different problems that kids have to deal with um so but it's still around like it's still there and yeah. it's in the background people it's still something to do that that kids kids can find out about so you're now coaching helping out with that program yeah so that it's a weird situation now because of the pandemic so um after college well even during college i would come back and help out specifically with the the rugby program and i would actually assist assist the guy his name's ernie vargas who runs the program who ran the program um i was actually his like official assistant um as a job and uh so i would help him out every time i would come back every summer and you know in the winter i would just help out with with rugby because it was too short of a time to get a job but in the summer i would assist him and pretty much kind of do do the whole thing for him and kind of learn about the program and so um and then after college I kind of came back and started working for him full time and um wasn't a full time position but I was it was my only job working for him and then I got a job with the city as like a city staff member um and I was able to do both uh but then the pandemic hit and it was kind of primed for me to kind of uh, he was he was priming me to take over for him um that wasn't his his actual job to give up obviously the city has to do like the hiring process and decide Mm. who who's going to get that job but i was kind of priming i was priming to take over that position 
Um, yeah. And then the pandemic hit, and the city's the city's so small, and it's funded by you know most of their money. The recreation program comes from um, uh, the casino in the city because we have a casino in the city who donates. Okay. Um, so yeah, so since they had to shut down, we had to shut down, and um, we had to, they had to let go of a lot of people, which is pretty pretty upsetting because I then picked up a job at another city who was doing who decided to do more for the people since mm. everything was shut down. Um, but we just didn't have the money in the city. So they let everybody go. And now I'm still kind of in that weird process where I've been volunteering this whole time. Just to, I've just been volunteering to coach rugby. I haven't been able to do any of the other part of the, the programming and that's the upsetting part. But um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been. I've been pretty much doing his job for the for the past year and a half as a volunteer and he's kind of because he had to retire as well when that whole thing happened yeah. so um yeah he's been working for over 30 years and he had to go to retire because of the pandemic yeah legend yeah. fair play bro for doing that yeah so i mean i love it though it's like a, it's so it's so satisfying especially coaching when like we were talking about that seven stuff and um you know, when I tell tell some kids, you know, especially the kids I get, they're all they're all Mexican kids. I have a few mixed, you know. Occasionally I'll get a white kid, occasionally I'll get a, a black kid, but um it's 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 I mean it's it's welcome to everybody, but the whole city is is Mexican, so yeah. Um I just get all, all these Mexican kids and and we go play other teams with a whole bunch of, you know, um, Polynesians or, or white kids yeah. and yeah, yeah. and um you know, just better athletes and or who would be better athletes and i tell kids it's like you know just you know follow this this game plan or you know do this and that and when you see them do it, it oh, it's just yeah. so satisfying and then i end up i end up you know a lot of the summers end up with with one of the best teams in socal um for nice. for sevens i just because because some of the kids are so tight together and a few years back i would and um because I coach Hawaiian Gardens, and I mm. obviously I played for for Belmont Shore, but I would I would always coach teams that played against their youth, um, and, and they have one of the best programs in in the country for youth. Um, yeah. But my team would always just somehow end up beating them um, when it comes to sevens tournaments, and it wouldn't be every week, but like the weeks that I were there, and I can give them adjustments and and watch the finals and play and coach the finals and stuff like that. Um, it'd be so satisfying to see them just you know tear up these yeah. teams that on paper should be so much better than them and then to see how they would they would they would notice it and they would look back at me and say like you know wow that actually did work um it's pretty cool yeah it's incredible i i love coaching for everything that you just said there as well it's um yeah yeah given give a little bit of strategy or a little bit of tactics and seeing them be better than they are kind of you know what I yeah mean? rise above exactly. themselves yeah, exactly. Because then you just get somebody who will go out there, and and even like when I played, uh, you know, growing up, they would just put us out there, and we would just kind of play touch, but with tackle in the game. Um, so it was just us, like you know, with touch strategies playing in the game. And so like I can only imagine if I could te- tell myself back then, like you know, do this and that, and then how different it would have been. Um, so yeah, that's the yeah. that's the fun part. Yeah, it's cool. So how did you end up? You that's how you started playing rugby, and then you went from played in high school you also played football in high school I remember you showing me your highlights so yeah what, yeah what kind of sports were you playing seriously up until you graduated high school so that was weird so like I went to this like you know every young kid in America kind of has the dream to go play NFL just because yeah, it's go the, play biggest, in the league yeah, yeah exactly playing. or if you're if you're somewhat tall you think you're gonna go play NBA um but yeah, so you just kind of like it was it was my sophomore year, I think, 
was the last year I, in my opinion, I played football seriously um, because I was I was decent at it. But obviously, I'm I'm a lot short sh- uh, shorter for a football player, and yeah. you don't think you don't think that at that age though. Um, you don't really think of that. So you're still playing seriously. And then my junior year, I I ended up I was still playing seriously, but the second game of the season, I ended up breaking my leg. Um, oh, I went yeah I stepped somebody, and um as I was stepping them, they kind of were falling over one way. And they stuck their leg out to trip me. And when they stuck their leg out to trip me, um, our shins collided and I broke, I fractured my tibia. So I still have a rod in there. So it's pretty funny, the name Roddy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, got a, I got a metal rod in my leg. And so after that year, well, during that year, I kind of, I started working out twice a day because I couldn't do anything with my legs. I could just only work out my upper body. Um, so that's why I somewhat got some, some, some muscle up top and then kind of changed the way I play. Um, I used to be... I used to be, well, um, from from what I think, I used to be a lot shiftier back then, um, just a lot quicker well, and, and faster. when I saw you in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is I used to think back then. That's why I had to like, man, if I was if I was, uh, you know, a foot taller, a few inches taller, I feel like back then I would have been actually really, really, like good prospect to go play football in college because I even yeah. did. By my senior year, I got some, you know, small colleges uh, for football to kind of think about me, but um, too expensive. And so, but yeah, back then, I just really thought, really backed myself as a football player. Um, mm. But once I broke my leg, I just had to kind of shift a little bit and think about how I played and changed up the strategy, you know, didn't didn't play the same way. And so, um, yeah, after that, I kind of really didn't play sports seriously. I kind of just played it for fun. So, like, I stopped doing track just because I never had fun in track um, yeah. I stopped doing track I picked up like I played a season of tennis even though it was like <laughs> it was just like I sucked and it was fun um, I did that and then I started playing rugby more just because um, it was available and I wasn't doing any more high school sports after my senior year of football um, I did wrestling but I, I was kind of over it as well I wish I that's one thing I kind of I don't regret but I kind of wish I did stick with it a little bit because I was pretty decent in wrestling mm. um so, but by the end of my my wrestling season for for my senior year, I was pretty burnt out and excited by by the idea that I would just get a break and I didn't have to go to sports practices anymore. Uh, so yeah, by that point, I was already done kind of like playing serious sports, and it was the same thing in high school that I I felt at the end of college was like I was done with sports. I was just gonna go to college and I was gonna go to junior college um, and just kind of study. I didn't yeah. want to play any sports. Uh, but I guess I could tell you the story about how I got to Linwood. It was pretty crazy. Uh, I would played for a select side, which is the SoCal Griffins, which is actually who I played for at Rugby Town this year. Mm. But back then they did they did a high school like version of the team, and it was pretty big. It was like they would do all the best kids in SoCal would go to these like tryouts, and it was pretty fun. And they would do the best. Like at first, they would do region regional tournaments, so you get to play for LA, represent LA. In oh. LA, would play Orange County, and Orange County would play San Luis Obispo, and then there would be a San Diego team as well. So there was four different teams that you'd play against, and and um, they would do this one tournament, and from there you would get like a tryout for the Griffins, um, which would then, if you made that team, it was the twenty five best players for for Southern California for your age. Um, so I played on that team throughout throughout high school. I was able to play on that team. My my oh, my sophomore year through my senior year, so it would have been like fifteen years old to seventeen years old. Mm. Uh, I played for that team. 
but it just so happened to be that the coach for that team has his own club and they needed players for a big tournament um here on the west coast it was like the best the best teams in the west coast for club were playing against each other and um all his players because it was like a thursday friday saturday sunday sunday tournament it was huge it was it was like yeah, kahuku the, the it was kahuku the team from from hawaii uh a couple of teams from up north in California were there. Um, there was an Arizona team. There was like it was it was all the best teams that usually go to nationals. Um, but they, I guess their idea was that they all go to nationals just to play each other. So yeah. they were like, we'll just make our own tournament. Um, so they ended up making that tournament. And when I was when I he hit me up, the coach for the Griffins, who was coaching his own club, and he was like, you know, we need players. All our players can't miss school that many days. Can you come? And I was like. Yeah, yeah, I'll go because okay. I just I got to skip school that Friday and go go to San Diego and play in a tournament, and it was fun for me. And so, on my drive over there, uh, one of the assistant coaches was just telling me, you know, like, oh, what are you doing next year? Um, do you have you thought about it at all? I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to you know Cerritos College, which is a junior college around here. I was like, I'm gonna go play in that, and uh, I mean, I'm gonna go go to study. school there and just study. Yeah, and. Uh, He's like, oh man, I gotta introduce you to Lindenwood coach. He's gonna be here today, and I was like, all right, yeah, like okay, I'll, 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 I'll get introduced. It just so happened to be though that about four of the guys who I was gonna go play with actually had um accepted scholarships to go to Lindenwood. Yeah, and one of them, one of them was Travis. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so he played. I was playing with his club for that tournament, but um, then none of them ended up going except for except for me and Travis. Sure. So yeah. I. Ended, I ended up playing in that tournament, and um, by halftime, some of their actual starters got came to the came to the uh, the game, and I I started the game on the wing, and I ended up scoring like like three tries or something like that, and or setting up a few tries as well. And um, the Linwood coach before the game, like I did get introduced in, but it was more of like a hey, how's it going? Bye, yeah. and it was JD. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it was JD Stevenson. So. Um, the the cool part was that Cam Wiper was there, oh yeah, and so uh, Cam Wiper actually kind of saw saw me, and from what I've heard is he was the one who said, you know, we gotta get him at Linwood. You know, uh, he he had interest in me because I think he said that we we played pretty similarly, which I yeah. can kind of imagine him him being a bit shorter. Uh, I think he saw, saw that he could kind of help me out a little bit. Um, so yeah, after the game, it was actually before the like, it started raining and they took me out like with probably 15 minutes to go and um they came up to me from underneath the tree cuz it was raining and they're just like, you know, how would you like to come to Linwood and I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Like, you know, I didn't think I yeah. still didn't think anything would come of it. They were like fill out this questionnaire um at the hotel tonight and uh you know, we'll we'll get to talking. So, I filled it out just cuz and you know, within like 2 months I was I was at Linwood cuz this was in like this was like in May, so you got to think like I had a year, yeah. a, a month left in a month left in high school, and so um, I was just like done, like ready to graduate. I wasn't thinking of anything going to college, and so it ended up being that I was going to Lindenwood. It was crazy. Sick. That's mad. Yeah, it just happened by by chance. It really was by chance. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. And how did you find your time in Lindenwood? Oh, it was some of the best years. I'm sure. Sure, you could. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would say it's it it pretty good. Yeah, you can attest to that. It was, it it was good, man. It's like obviously, the relationships we built. I'm here t- talking to you now. It's been mm. a few years since we've seen each other. Uh, talk to all the boys still. Like uh, those years, like 
our age, like that that year that you kind of you kind of wanted to graduate assistant, um, mm. and then. I kind of became a, a junior and senior. Like those years just can't be. Even my freshman year, like from from my freshman year to the to my last year, it was just it was just all about the boys. And there were such good guys there. It's like yeah. that's the best thing about Linda. What I would say is like the rugby team is great, but the boys on the team are just so good. And you can just hit up anybody who went to Lindawood and just you can end up talking for an hour. You know? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. The um, the like camaraderie and culture was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. I mean, like, cause like when I was a freshman, and I think you came in the same year, didn't you? Or was I came the year after? Halfway through your freshman year, I think. Yeah, yeah I came so in the January of your freshman year, yeah. Yeah, so you would know like all those years. same. Yeah, so you would know all those same guys. So like you would like Mikey G and even yeah, like Mickey yeah. and Dallas and all those guys. Just kind of like they kind of started something real good, like mm. real great from when I was a freshman, I got there and like, it was funny. Cause even like my first time going out there, I just remember like, um, I was a Travis who had done his visit there. Um, mm. so he kind of knew a little bit of the guys before I did. And I was just going in like raw straight out yeah. of high school. And it was like a couple weeks after high school, I would say, Oh, I was like two months. Um, and then I go and they were like, Hey, uh, let's go. And it was just a regular like pregame. And I, I didn't yeah. know what it was. I got hopped in the back of a car, um, in one of the, in one of the four, the four, the four wheelers, and I just jumped in the back and like, I don't know who it was. I think it was like Cam or something like that. Had an MD and so a Mad Dog, and they had a Mad Dog, and they were just like handing to me. They're like, "You want some?" And I was like, "Man, I'm good right now. <laughs> I don't know what to think." And so then we get to the house, and like, um, it was actually in the back house where um where Mickey used to live, Mickey Nagi. Yeah, and yeah, like back there. And yeah, behind Schnooks. And so yeah, and I get I get back yeah behind Schnooks, and I get back there, and uh, I get out the car, and like I just walk up, and the first thing like <laughs> the first thing that happens is Feeksy walks up to me, he just towers over me, he has like a beer in his head, and he goes, "Hey, bro, what's your story?" And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, whoa, what do you mean? And so I was like the first time, this first person like I really met, and. uh yeah, from then it was just great. Like you can't be. That's why I tell anybody, any kid who like kind of asked me about Lindenwood, I was like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a better time anywhere else playing college rugby in the states. Like it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, and all the traveling too. Had you traveled much? Like, had you ever been to no. the Midwest? Yeah. Like. No, that a bit, no, bit like that change for you, coming from big it, city. It, yeah, like well, because like I'm. It's just the funny part is like I'm from LA, but even like growing up and stuff like that i hated going to downtown la i hate it like i just hated like traveling i hated like driving and i think that's what it was is like we would just drive everywhere but then yeah. when i got to lindenwood and um I've, i got older and so i could see like how nice it was um when we when we did all the traveling with lindenwood it was it was amazing i just loved oh, it yeah. now i love it now i can't yeah. i can't i take it for granted sometimes how much we travel yeah traveling is one of the best parts i think yeah, it's it's great. I even did like just a couple of weeks ago. Did a little camping trip and just to see all the the different sites and like it's it's only two hours away from where I live in LA and and it's it just looks so different and it's it's like why haven't I traveled there before? You know, it's so mm -hmm. great. Where'd you go? Where where'd you camp around? Uh, we went up by Sequoia. Where's I don't know. Like, that. I'll have to go. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's like two hours. Like kind of like north. Um. It's kind of like in the woods at what what area? Uh, cool. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing though. 
And just bring a tent real nice. and camp out for a while. Hey, yeah, well, I went with my brother and a bunch of our friends, and uh, uh, it was it was pretty funny. We just ended up took the cars. We took two cars out there and ended up one of them had like a ten ten person tent. So we took a bunch of like we all slept in there, and then there was one extra tent just in case somebody wanted to sleep outside of it. But yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. It was cool. We just we just kind of set up there, cooked out, hung out, and the altitude was was killing us as well. Was it? How high up? Yeah, up in the mountains. I actually don't even know. I should I should have checked that. Um, wouldn't have been as high as I got messed up in uh in Colorado though. But um, oh yeah. Yeah, I just remember we were, we we had one beer and we were just like, oh man, I feel a little, you know, I feel a little, <laughs> I feel a little something here. Yeah, I remember so that was pretty funny. Glendale. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, camping's cool. I do it a bit up here in Vancouver as well. There's like, there's loads of places around here that you can bring a hammock, bring a tent, and get away from the city. It's nice. Yeah, I see. I see a few of those pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It looks pretty nice. It looks nice. Yeah, it's cool around here. Oh, going back to Lindenwood, how pissed were you in your freshman year when I didn't pick you on the team? <laughs> it always happens. It always happens. Uh, it always happens like that with my first years and things. Nah, to be fair, I wasn't. I wasn't too pissed. Um, I knew it was like the same thing as here. Like I just knew how good that team was because that team was yeah. was also really good. That was pretty stacked, it was, wasn't it? It was. It was a pretty good team. I was. Yeah. I was upset, but I also like got a got a kind of a wake up call as well which is cool because um it it was actually like uh i don't know for some reason i always think of it like i thought i kind of look back at it and and i tell myself and i i i tell anna a little bit sometimes like oh uh you know i i take my first year in the mlr as my first year at lindenwood um i kind of like i kind of compare them because um like my first year at Lindenwood, it wasn't like I wouldn't say playing wise was anything crazy. Um, even like when I even sevens, I got picked for sevens, but even then, like I didn't do anything crazy. Um, mm. And then I just like it was like that summer after my freshman year, Mickey had like sent me a text message and was like, "Yo, like he sent me a link to like that Red Bull sevens tournament, which was back yeah. in Glendale." Um, and he was just like, "Yo, bro, like." are you ready like we need you for this and stuff like that and it was like the first time somebody had like told me something along the lines of that like you know like we've like you need to be ready like we want you on the team and stuff like that and um dude from there i think it was just a confidence thing like i just i just ended up was like hell yeah i'm ready and so from then that was my sophomore year and um to start off like we went to that red bull thing and we played well and we won you know we won it and then we went to bath and did that but the rest of that year i just had so much confidence and i was i was happy to play and it was just good like you know you play the best when you're smiling and so um that was the first year i made all americans and i ended up making all americans in 15s and sevens but if you really look at the year before like you know like you didn't pick me for the team and um i wasn't playing anything uh i was probably getting caught up in the college life a little bit my freshman year but uh yeah. it is you know it is what it is free food and, food and <laughs> hanging out with friends pounds, yeah yeah freshman 30 and so yeah um, but yeah that's what i'm saying is that i couldn't be too upset at you looking back at it yeah that's cool that's interesting so for people listening mickey uh, was the captain a guy from auckland was the captain at Lindwood and he went on to play a little bit with Glendale and the MLR, didn't he? he yeah. Played at nine. Like yeah. Mickey, Mickey was a class player and he would have been a senior when you were a freshman. So just with him reaching out to you and just showing that little bit of interest, you were then kind of like, oh, um, it kind of refocused you a little bit, did it kind of kick you on? And Yeah, I just remember like um, 
yeah, it just gave me so much confidence to get a message from him. And we're great friends. Like even like now, like I yeah. hung out with him last weekend and oh, cool. at Glendale, he was playing in rugby town. It was, it was like, and I was telling him, you know, like, it's great to see that you're playing again. Cause like when he stopped playing, it was just like, damn it. Like, you know, like that was such a good player who like, yeah. obviously we all like, when we were, we were in the wood, like he was one of the, he was a man. And so like yeah. for him to be able to like, to stop, it was kind of like, damn, it sucks. But then, yeah, going back to what you were saying, when he was like the man in Linwood when we were when we were playing, and so when mm. he said something, people would listen. And but he was also like a, a really good friend at the same time. So when he messaged me and just you know kind of told me like, you know, we need you and you need to be ready for this. Like, oh, I had so much confidence from that, and so, I think that's kind of what kicked off like my. I always look back and think that's kind of like what kicked off me actually getting serious about rugby. Um, yeah, just kind of like having that and. And to look back on it, it was it was something real real special for me. That's awesome. Um, I won't keep you too much longer. You've been brilliant with your time. But what advice would you give to a fifteen, sixteen year old kid that you're coaching now? Uh, that I'm coaching now, I, I always general. tell them, just in general, just be coachable. Like especially some, cause like I do have a few kids who ended up going to college this year. I had about like seven of them go to college this year that I was coaching. Um, I just tell them, you know. Be coachable, you know, listen to the coaches, um, but also, like, be confident, you know, like, do do what's best for you and just be coachable and, and being confident is what, what I really give 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 to them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, if you go, if you're coachable and they're telling you to do something, but you do it, like, you know, at half speed, it's not really, it's not really going to work. So if you're, but if you're yeah. confident with it, even if you do the wrong thing, a lot of people will say, like, you do the wrong thing at 100%, you still might be successful. So, um if you just have confidence, that's 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 the one thing I really like to tell people. Because a lot of people, I'll, I'll be a lot of kids. I'll be coaching, and and they'll they'll do they'll try to do it, but they're just not doing it with their full strength or speed, yeah. and it's just not it doesn't work for them. So just if you just be confident, and it's you know it should work out for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, hey, bud, thanks a million for jumping on. Really appreciate the time, and it's been unreal catching up. Yeah, hell yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's been I love your page and, and the, the new page you started is, is actually really good. I really love that. Cheers, bro. Appreciate that. Yeah, hell yeah. Hope you enjoyed the chat. I loved catching up with Roddy. He's such a top man, as I'm sure you gathered. As we chatted about when he was a freshman in Lindenwood, I moved over to Lindenwood to do my masters and to coach the team. Well, I originally moved over as a player coach and then I was made ineligible. But what Roddy said about a graduate assistant, essentially what that role is, is in American universities, there's graduate assistant roles. So if you are doing a graduate degree, like a master's or whatever, there's roles within the university. So my role was as an assistant coach, 23 at the time. And in the team, it ranged from 18 to like 25 or 6. There were some mature students. So it was pretty interesting coaching guys that were my age and older than me. It was a bit of a baptism of fire, to be honest. But um, learned a lot and loved it. And it was funny, after two months there, the head coach got the USA U20s job. So then I became kind of interim head coach of the university side and that's why I was you know tasked with picking the team and things like that and I was also really good friends with the players because I moved over originally as a player coach so I was playing with them for six weeks or so and then 
was head coach for the rest of the semester. So it was an interesting time. I loved it. And the most difficult thing, though, was leaving guys out. And it's it really still is today. It's the toughest part of coaching. But like I knew how good Roddy, the potential that he had and how good he would be or could be. But yeah, he was like 18 at the time and there was just other good players. And it's funny looking back at that team. Roddy was talking about how stacked it was or how good it was. And Roddy didn't make the 23 on match day. A guy who was also on the podcast, Nick Feeks, who now plays with Nola Gold, was on the bench. And another guy on the bench was Michael Baska, who plays nine for Utah Warriors and is the, now the sub nine for the USA national team. And all those guys obviously didn't allow the setback to affect them and they kicked on and pushed on and obviously have done great things since. I think it's a really important thing to note because it's something that I only realize now as a coach is that if you don't get picked in a team, it's essentially one person's opinion on you as a player. Like it's one coach deciding what 15 or 23 to pick. And if you take it so badly or kind of personally that you're not good or you let it affect your confidence and self-esteem you're just really doing yourself a disservice like that one coach could be shit he could have other things at play there could be you know many things at play so like if you I don't know I found in the past I certainly did like I wouldn't get into one team and I then all of a sudden question everything I'm like oh I'm not good enough I was obviously inexperienced as a coach at the time but even thinking back of that team you know three guys didn't make the 15 or now playing MLR one of them is in the national side but actually to be honest probably wouldn't change the selection and yeah just want to emphasize how important it is if you don't make a team that it doesn't really mean a whole pile you just keep going and keep pushing I had heard a bit about the program that Roddy coached and that he helped out with because as he said in his breaks from school he used to go back and do that but I didn't realize how important that is for the players and the city and the kind of context around that program like I think growing up in Ireland we have such a kind of small isolated worldview like gangs are something that you see in a movie whereas for Roddy growing up the gangs were people that used to talk to you after school when you're 10 years of age and yeah he's just an absolute legend Roddy for running that program voluntarily and carrying on the great work that his predecessor did because it's uh, yeah it's just unreal really interesting as well the role that chance and opportunity plays like roddy as he was saying was not going to play rugby in college and was going to go to a local junior college but a chance opportunity is playing a team by chance the lindwood coaches are going to that um tournament across the country and by chance he got a meeting with them and then ended up in lindwood same way he decided to join the MLR and of course he has the ability signed up with Dallas by chance they went bust and he ends up playing with Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt Giddo, and winning a major league rugby title so but the other thing I, I think is really important to note is that luck is where opportunity meets hard work or where opportunity meets preparation so some people would look at it and go oh how lucky is he to get the a conversation with the Lindwood coaches well he was a good player and he worked hard and that's why he was able to take that same way like oh he got lucky that he got 
a major league rugby contract. Like, no, he didn't. He worked hard and then the opportunity presented itself. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take 30 seconds to share it with a friend who you think also might enjoy it. That would mean a huge amount. I would really, really appreciate it. Later in the week, I'm chatting with a Connacht player who was involved in Joe Schmidt's Ireland squads towards the end of his reign. And lastly, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast or follow it on Spotify, please do so so that the episodes automatically download and you won't miss one. Thanks a million for stopping by and listening in. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Cheers. Have a great rest of your day.